All right, everybody. Good morning again. Thanks for being here. If, you, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Michael. I'm one of our ministers here, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful that you decided to spend your Sunday morning with us today. Uh, we're talking about Matthew 9. This is the third week in a row we've been in the same chapter of Scripture. So if you're a speed reader, uh, you've probably left us a long time ago, but we're still here. Um, and so uh, last week we talked about how Jesus healed a bleeding woman and he raised the synagogue leader's daughter back to life in Matthew chapter 9. And about how, you know, in Jesus, we're, we're not, we have a life beyond this one. That's what, that was what we talked about last week, how Jesus says, she's not dead. This girl is not dead. She's just asleep. We have a life beyond this one. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, but before we go on today, maybe you can think of someone or something in your life that people have a strong reaction to one way or the other. Uh, maybe Tennessee Volunteers Orange, you know? You either love it or you hate it based on where you're from, who your family is, uh, those types of things, your culture, those types of things uh, really make you feel one way or the other about Tennessee Volunteer Orange. There's another thing that ripped our culture to shreds about eight years ago. Our world, we were just going along just fine, and then this thing happened, and everyone had to choose sides. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about this dress. Oh, man. That was, okay, there we go. This dress. So, this was 2015. If you're like me, when I see this dress... I see a white and gold dress. Who sees a white and gold dress? A few of us. Who sees a blue and black dress? Okay, so we, we have beef now, okay? Because you cannot, that is a white and gold dress, right? Well, the truth is, it's a blue and black dress. Um, and actually this morning, the way it's hitting, I can, it looks like blue and black on the projector to me and white and gold on the monitor, so that's really confusing. Um, but we'll just, we'll just move on. But there's things in our life that when we see them, when we interact with them, when we experience them, we feel strongly one way or the other. We react to it. And so this morning we're talking about how a few instances people reacted to Jesus, to their experience with Jesus. They, they saw Jesus. They had a reaction. Um, I'm going to pray for us this morning before we continue. Let's pray. God, thank you that we get to be gathered here with you, worshiping you this morning. Just help us to hear a message from you. Give us a word this morning. God, help us to put those distractions outside of our mind, those things that bog us down, our many anxieties and fears about what's happening today, what's happening this week. God, just give us a moment this morning to be here and be present. Uh, God, if there's anything I say this morning that's not from you, I just ask that it'll be taken out of our memories. Um, God, speak this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, this is a reading this morning from Matthew 9. It says this, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him. How are blind men following him? Uh, that's, a different, that's a different thing. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, 
Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So this morning, we're going to talk about how people reacted to Jesus in these 12 verses. We see three different kinds of reactions to Jesus. For starters, we have the blind men, who though they cannot see Jesus, they see that they need Jesus' mercy. Though they don't really know Jesus, they understand that somehow deep in their bones that this is someone who will change their life. Someone who, if if Jesus grants them mercy, their life will change forever. And this happens. Jesus heals these men, gives them their sight. And then Jesus does something curious, and he says, hey, don't tell anybody about this, which always confuses me. Number one, Jesus already has a crowd around him. There's already a ton of people who are going to know. The word is going to be out, and Jesus still says, don't tell anybody this. So, you know, in Jesus' teachings, the one thing that he comes back to, you know, don't let your right hand, left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you're doing something good, don't go into the street and blare trumpets about it. So maybe that's what it's about. That's not really what I'm talking about today. I just find that interesting. And so the blind men follow Jesus and they know this is someone who we need mercy from. This is a person that we To be in a relationship with them, we need mercy. They understand what their relationship to Jesus is. They can't see Jesus. They've never seen him. Maybe they've heard his voice, but likely they just somehow know deep in their bones that this is a person that can change their life forever. But they need mercy. And so Jesus heals the blind men. They tell everyone, even though he said, don't tell everybody. They're, you know, going around. If somebody heals you, you're, if you were, first off, everyone who knows these blind men is going to know these guys were blind yesterday and today they can see. So, you know, that, that right there, they're going around probably telling people we were blind, then we met Jesus. Now we can see Jesus granted us that mercy that we were seeking. Jesus is the son of David. Our lives are changed forever. And so the news about Jesus spread. Like the bleeding woman from last week, Jesus cites their faith as part of why they are being healed. Because of this faith, they knew that, they knew where they stood in their relationship to Jesus. They were people who needed 
mercy. And then it says, while they were going out, Jesus just heals these two guys. While they're leaving there, somebody brings a man who is demon-possessed to Jesus, and he's demon-possessed in a way that allow, doesn't allow him to speak. He's mute. So we don't get a lot of information about this encounter, but we know that Jesus gets rid of the demon, and this guy's able to speak. And as we mentioned earlier, there's a crowd around, and they get this reaction. Reaction number two to Jesus in today's text, amazement. Once again, people see Jesus, and they know this is something amazing that we're seeing. We are in awe of what Jesus is doing. That's amazing. This is an appropriate reaction to when you see Jesus do something. Amazement, in awe. And so there's this crowd around Jesus. They're in awe of him. And then we get to reaction number three. There's these, in my mind, there's this group of guys off to the side, the Pharisees, and they're standing around, and they're seeing all these people who used to hang on their every word and people that used to come to them for wisdom and people who used to think they were hot stuff, and now they're all following Jesus, and their pride starts to bubble up inside of them. They get a little bit insecure, as our Gen Z, Gen Z friends might say. They got in their feelings, right? And they say, it's the prince of demons that's letting him drive out the demons. Number one, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. So a lot of times in our life, when we see something happening, we have this reaction. We feel envious and prideful. This is the reaction of the Pharisees. And the issue is, with the Pharisees, they don't even have a thing that they can legitimately critique Jesus about. They have no legitimate criticism to bring him down to their level. They can't pull out something that happened five years ago and say, hey, well, remember that thing? No, that thing just didn't happen. Jesus doesn't have a checkered past to bring up. There's not much semantics that they can work with here. And so they get in their feelings, and they're envious and prideful. And what happens is they just make something up. They have no other course of action in their pride and envy than to just make something up, something not true, something that doesn't even, if you think about it, make sense. Why would the prince of demons want to drive demons out of people? It doesn't make sense. But this is what the Pharisees do. The blind men, they understand their situation in life. They accept their need for Jesus. They call out to Jesus, have mercy on us. The crowd, they see Jesus and they understand that this is something amazing happening. And they accept, I've never seen that before. This is legitimate. I want to follow what's going on here. But the Pharisees, if they understand what their relationship should be, they are not accepting what their relationship should be to Jesus. They should see Jesus and know this is someone to be amazed by, someone that we want to have mercy on, someone that we desire a relationship with. And instead, they see all of the things that are happening and how it might knock them off their pedestal a little bit. They start to feel envious and prideful. They're not accepting 
of the relationship that they need to have with Jesus. The Pharisees here are giving off something I'm going to say is big brother energy. And I'm not specifically talking about my big brother. My favorite story from the Bible is one that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. Some people know it as the story of the prodigal son. And it's this story about a man. It's a parable. He's got a man. He's got two sons. He's got a younger son and an older son. And the younger son does not value, is not willing to accept his relationship to his father. He doesn't see the need for it. He says, you know what? If I just had my dad's stuff, I wouldn't need that relationship. And so he goes to his father and he says, hey, dad, um, I want to get out of here, but I want, I want my inheritance now. Basically, it'd be better off if you were dead for me. And so while a lot of fathers may laugh in their face and tell them, no, nah, get out of here, dude, this father's not like that. This father says, okay, here you go. Here's your inheritance now and do what you need to do. And this younger son, he goes off into a, a distant area. He does all this wild living and he squanders all of the inheritance that his father has given him. To the point of he is wishing to eat pig slop. That is how hungry he is. And it is in this moment that he realizes the mercy that he needs from his father. He realizes the relationship that he had with his father. My father would never let me be in this position. I have brought this on myself. And so in realizing his need for mercy and his relationship with his father, he decides, I'm going to go home. I'm going to beg for mercy. Maybe if, maybe if I just beg for mercy, I can be in my dad's house again. And I'll have food to eat. I might have to be a servant, but I'll have food to eat. I might not get an inheritance, but at least I won't be wanting to eat pig slop. And so this younger son, this younger brother decides to go home. He's got this whole speech prepared, and his dad sees him coming. While he was still a long way off, his father runs to him, hugs him, kisses him, puts a robe on him and says, we're throwing a party for you, man. I'm so thankful that you're home. And they're having this party, and that's not the end of the story. At the beginning of the story, it was the younger brother who didn't understand the relationship that he needed with his father. But at the end of the story, it's the older brother who's unwilling to accept who his father is in that relationship with him. So this party's happening inside, and his older brother is outside, and a servant comes and says, hey, your younger brother's back, man. Come, come party with us. It's awesome. I bet you haven't seen him in a while. He hasn't been riding. And the older brother sulks. He just wants to stand outside in the field and be salty. All this time I've been here, my dad never even fattened up a cow for me and killed it so we could eat it. That's ridiculous. And then my younger brother takes all of his stuff, come, goes, wastes it all, and comes back, and they're throwing a party. Give me a break. Because just like it was about his dad's stuff with the younger brother, it was about his dad's stuff with the older brother. That older brother still didn't value the relationship that he had with his father. And that's what we see in the Pharisees here. Either they don't understand they need the relationship with Jesus, 
or they're not willing to accept it. And there's no resolution to this story. Jesus doesn't go to the Pharisees, reason with them, pull them in, bring them in to, hey, guys, we're all in this together. We're all trying to do the right thing in the kingdom and all this stuff. You guys get on board. The Pharisees say, you know what, Jesus, you're right. That doesn't happen. The Pharisees stand off to the side and they just say, it's the prince of demons. Just let him drive out these demons, everybody. It's all, it's just the prince of demons. Whatever that means. It doesn't make sense. And the story just ends. The story moves on. The, te- the text keeps going. And it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so we see three reactions to Jesus And they tell us a lot about what these people perceive Jesus to be and what they perceive their relationship to Jesus to be or need to be. And then Jesus tells us the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. When we are reacting to Jesus in a way that is envious, prideful, we're letting worldly things cloud our relationship with Jesus, we can't be good workers We need to understand that we need mercy from Jesus. We need to be in awe of what God is doing in our world, and then we need to follow that. We need to chase into what God is doing in our world instead of thinking, why isn't God doing anything through me? Why hasn't God done that to my life? Why is God doing that at the church down the street but not here. These are the types of things that keep us from joining in to the goodness that God is doing right around us, right in here today, right outside these doors. God is working. The harvest is plentiful, but a lot of times we're too caught up in all of our stuff, our ego, to get there. And so this morning, as we go to the table together, Can we ask God to just take some of this stuff? Because our relationship with Jesus is too important for us to be in our feelings, be salty about different things, be prideful, envious, bitter, jealous. The harvest is plentiful, but a lot of times... We don't even leave the house because we're too, too bummed out about everything that's gone wrong, everything that could go wrong. We're jealous that it's happening somewhere else with someone else, and we're missing out on a lot. So this morning as we go to the table, let's remember, Jesus came and lived and died and showed mercy to the people, showed mercy to us in his death and resurrection. 
We get to partner with this. We should be amazed at what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing in our world today. Let some of that other stuff go. I'll pray for us, and then we'll go to the table this morning. Lord, we come before you this morning, and God, help us to be people this week, today, when we see something good, we want to jump into what you're doing and not throw stones at it. God, as we seek to deepen our relationship with you and our faith in you, God, help us get rid of some of that stuff, that pride, that envy, that bitterness. God, free us up so that we can go into the field as your workers because the harvest is plentiful. And help us to remember Jesus this morning at the table. In his name we pray. Amen. Oh, that falls in the